0: Okay, we're learning yeah, Daft, Sa'di Dalit, Sa'di Dalit, we're in the middle, we're starting about eight, nine lines down here, so Sa'di Dalit, yep. So we're in the middle of the Shiloh, what's the Shiloh? We know that the Mishnah was mater, a woman to get remarried, based, based upon the testimony of one witness, that much was clear, one witness, we allow the woman to get remarried. We explain, it's a special leniency that the rabbis made to believe the one witness, even though it's a Dalvish However, the Gemara is not sure exactly how to understand it. One way of understanding it is, nobody's going to lie about something that they can get caught in their own lie, and something which is destined to be revealed, like did a person die or did they not die, you're not going to lie about that because or else you'll look like a fool. The other way of understanding it is that the emphasis is based upon the tendency of a married woman to do her own investigations carefully before she would be married. That's almost what's naturally expected. So as long as there's a single witness that's grounds to think that the husband might be dead, so then the basin gives her permission to remarry, but the assumption will be that she's gonna investigate further before she remarries. What's the practical difference if the stress is on the witness or if the stress is on the woman's investigations? Who cares? The nafkemina is, we looked at, what if the witness is getting her out of a yibam scenario? What does that mean? What's the case? The case is that she had a son and a husband who went overseas. And the question is, did they die and who died first? And the witness says that the husband died first and then the son died, which means that she doesn't have a Yibam obligation and that she's free to go marry anybody in the world. So the question is, do we believe that witness? On the one hand, we could say, yeah, sure, why not? Why wouldn't we believe the witness? Just like we believe a witness to let her get remarried, we should believe a witness here to free her to the general population and from the not doing Yibam. However, on the other hand, she might not investigate properly. Why wouldn't she investigate properly? So as Mara said, a fascinating story yesterday. A woman might hate her brother-in-law. She might be, she might anyways dislike the guy. So she's not trying to do her investigations. She might not like her of So she's very into trying to figure out, let me just get out of here as soon as I can. I had a chance to get out, let me get out. So since she might not be investigating properly, if the stress of the permission of the court is based on the uh, investigations of the woman, you might not have that in this case of Yavam Yuv, of Malashok. So that's our question. We have a suffix. If an Eidach had said your, that your husband died and then the son died, would she be allowed to trust that aid and go with the court her permission to get remarried? So the Gemara says, Let's learn a proof from the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, A woman is not believed to say, My Yavam has died so that I should marry somebody else. Meaning, if a woman is saying that I know I had a Yavam and I had Zika, But I'm testifying, she was, as she says, I was overseas with my avam, and she herself testifies that the avam died. She is not believed. We are concerned that she might herself be lying. She's not believed to say my sister died so that I can marry her husband. Remember a a man cannot marry his wife's sister. So a woman cannot, the sister-in-law herself cannot be the, the, the witness to say that her sister died so that now she should go ahead and marry her husband. The point, the point is that here there's no Iguna, there's no Iguna issue, and this is a very deep point. Iguna issues are, basically, you are trapped. So if you are trapped, and the question is, can you marry anybody here? So then, uh, can you marry anybody? So then, we're lenient to say that we believe certain witnesses and even the woman herself. But if there is a very specific point here about who she should marry, so on and so forth, then there's no belief. That's the overall point of the mission. So we can make a diac he that the mission is only saying that the woman herself is not believed to say her yavam died and that she's muttered to anybody. <laughs> it sounds like somebody else would be believed. The mission made a point of saying she, the woman herself, in question whether she could get remarried to those people. She is not believed. It sounds like a regular single witness would be believed of doing so. So we have a proof that a single witness is believed to free a woman to marry the general population. So the Gemara says <laughs> you're trying to make such a diak you're trying to make such an implication name look at the very end of that same Mishnah in other words sometimes what the Gemara is saying when it says <laughs> the Gemara is saying, from the very place you brought your proof you can see that it's not a proof because at the very end of that Mishnah it also says <laughs> a man is not believed when he's the party himself he's not believed to say that I had my brother who died childless and now I'm supposed to do evil he's not allowed he's not allowed to say such a thing he's not believed we're concerned that he really like his sister-in-law, and that's why he's going to lie in order to become permitted to marry her. So we're concerned that he's lying. A regular witness, of course, would be believed over here. But, but the, the man himself is not believed. He's not believed to say, my wife died, so I should marry her sister. Again, we're concerned that since he already knows his wife's sister, there might be some conspiracy here. So who knew Adolam Should we make the same inference? It says he's not believed. A regular witness would be believed to do that And the Gemara jumps all over that Would a single witness ever be believed To allow a man to marry a particular woman Even if we want to accept a single witness's testimony That her husband died The whole thing is that she'd be an Aguna If a woman is is married And we don't have testimony about the whereabouts of her husband That's Aguna Aguna means that she's stuck She's withheld Right? There's, no one, there's no one that she's going to be able to marry if we don't rely on the testimony. So that would be lenient. A man's allowed to men always take another wife. So even if we don't know what happened to his wife or so on and so forth, big deal. Let him just marry somebody else. So, oh, I want to marry my sister-in-law. Okay, big deal. So he won't marry her. There's plenty of other girls out there in the world that you can marry. We don't feel so bad for you. So therefore, the point that the Gemara is saying is there's no way to accept the law that a single witness would be believed to testify, let's say, that a woman died so that her husband can marry her, the sister-in-law. There's no such possibility. That, that's definitely not an accepted halacha. There's no way that that could be true. Of course, a single witness would only be believed in reference to a woman's status, to the wife's status remaining, never in terms of a man. But if you, why don't you say that the diak is unlike that from the Mishnah? And the Mishnah made a point of saying, a man is not believed to say my wife died so I should marry the sister. Uh, he's not believed to say My brother died childless so I should marry my sister-in-law He's not be- Why did the Mishnah say He's not believed If you're saying Even a single witness Is not believed So the same way you see That that implication is off In the seifa, So maybe in the ratio as well You wanted to say In the ratio where it said That the woman is not to believed To say my husband died So I should marry somebody else You wanted to make a deal She wouldn't be believed But another single witness Would be believed Maybe the implication is off And maybe the same way She is not believed A single witness as well Is not believed And the Gemara now tells us what's wrong with the implication. And this is all the end of the, Gemara, the Gemara's point. What was the novelty here to say that the woman does not believe, meaning to say... If even if a single witness is not believed, why does the Mishnah of cloud speak about the woman herself? The answer is the Mishnah is not coming to tell me that she's not believed, that I should make an implication that a single witness is believed. The so Rabbi Akiva Isra, it's just necessary to clarify according to Rabbi Akiva. Remember, Rabbi Akiva is the one who holds that from a plain Isser, it's just as bad as an error. Rabbi Akiva holds that a plain Isser, there's no binding Kedushin, there's no Tzvisa's Kedushin. And if a woman remarries, um, when she instead of doing yibam, she's violating a plain answer of She's marrying outside to the general population instead of doing yibam. According to Rabbi Akiva, that's treated like an Arab. So Sagol died. The Chamin holds that holds it's treated like an arava, and there's even an a mamzer which is produced from the isra of a plain lav. We would say the woman will be so nervous that her life will be ruined. Maybe she would be so careful to testify before saying that her yavam died, meaning to say it sounds like we're concerned that she might testify falsely that her yavam died because she wants to get out of it. So that makes sense to go marry the general population. If marrying the one from the general population, even if it's wrong, is not such a bad crime. The kids aren't going to be mamzerim, let's say. So the stakes are not so high. But if you'd go like Rabbi Akiva, that the, the, the possibility of risk here, right? The threat here is very high because if she doesn't investigate properly, the of dies. It's a law. According to her the child would be Mamzerim. It would be the full scope of knas. Her life would be ruined, so to speak. So then you would say that th- th- that itself is the greatest deterrent from her lying. So you would say that itself should be a reason why she should believe kamash Malad. Then no, she's not believed. And we, might, we are concerned, actually, we are concerned that she's not going to investigate properly, which again, the reason might be because she dislikes her of So bottom line is, I know this give and take was a little bit confusing. What are we saying? We have a question about whether or not we can believe a single witness to get a person out of Yubim, to allow the wife to remarry anybody. Again, we're not just believing a woman, a man, uh, the witness to say that her, her husband died. Here, it's more complex. We're believing that either a Yavam died or believing that. Her husband died, and then her son died. Either circumstance, the witness is testifying that she doesn't have a chiyav yibam. The question is, could we rely on that witness? Maybe part of relying on a single witness is only because we assume that woman will investigate properly. And without being assured she'll investigate properly, she may have a, a dislike for her yavam, so she won't investigate properly, and therefore we can't trust the witness. The gemara is trying to defend this point that we do not trust the witness. I had said in a mishnah we don't trust her. It sounded like we don't trust her, but we would trust a witness. So the gemara proved that we don't make such a deal. The mishnah also said we don't trust the husband. To say that his wife died, that he should marry the sister, and there clearly the implication isn't right that a single witness would be believed. For a man, we never believe a single witness. There's no iguna issue. Elamai, that mission was just coming to make that point herself for the woman. That don't say we should automatically believe her because the same risk of creating mamzerim would be there. K'mashmula no. If we're concerned she has a dislike for the yavam, which we are, then we're never going to believe her testimony. And maybe as well, a single witness's testimony we will never accept to allow her to do evil. So now we're back, basically, to not resolving our inquiry. Do we believe in Eid Echot to allow a woman to be free of her zikha marry anybody or not? So Rav Amar, Rav comes along and he says, Eid Echot neman bivama mikavachomer. Rav, it's fascinating. He doesn't get into the two sides of our question. He just says, I know what the law has to be. The law has to be that a single witness would be believed. Why is that? Because of Kavachomer. What's the Kavachomer? Le'iser Asha's ish is a very severe isser. If a woman goes and remarries when her husband is alive, how bad is that? That's very bad. That's an iser of karis. That's something which make, make, makes makes according to everybody, it's very severe. Yet, we still see the rabbis believe a single witness. So, if you're going to believe a single witness, even to be mater, an iser with the severity of kharis, you're going to tell me that you wouldn't, there's a possibility not to believe a single witness for the possibility of doing just a plain iser. And the point that what, what, what Ravah is saying is, how bad would it be if she married somebody from the general population when she had a bind to do evil? How bad would that be? That would be a love, plain love. How bad would it be if a woman is, if remarries if her husband's really alive? That's really bad. That's in a sir-carus. So if we know the law that we believe a single witness so that a married woman can get remarried, certainly we should believe a single witness to take a woman out of the isser lav of Yvon Malashuk. Now, what's fascinating about that is that's great if you just look at it in terms of the severity of the issue. But if you break down the variables, there's a flaw in the, log- in, the, in the logic. As the Gemara just said, the only reason why we allow the married woman to remarry is not just because of a single witness. It's because there's an assumption she'll investigate properly. Here, I don't have that assumption because she may dislike her Yelva. But Rava is directly not addressing that. You know, he's just... Saying, bottom line is, if you believe a single witness to remove an Isra of Karius, you've got to believe a single witness to remove an Isra of Allah. It just wouldn't make sense otherwise. So, but we see from the woman herself, forget about whether we believe a single witness, we see from the law about the woman herself when she testifies that that logic is off. Because it's her Remember, not only a, a, a woman can remarry if she herself testified that her husband died. But it's lav Again, we saw in the Mishnah that if she herself testifies that her yavam died, she cannot marry anyone from the general population. Clearly... Clearly, we don't make that if, she, uh, that if she's neman for an Israel Kari, she should be neman for Isser Lav. Now, what's the reason that the woman herself is not believed that, to, that she should marry anyone from the general population? Because there are times she dislikes the Yavam, Lodaiko Mitzvah. We're concerned she's not investigating properly. So, if that's true for her, maybe it's true for a single witness, Kivan since she, sometimes she dislikes the Yavam, Mitzvah. So, we're basically disproving the logic from the fact that the woman herself, certainly the Mishnah said, is not neman to say her Yavam died that she she should get remarried. Clearly, we see, we're concerned that you might dislike the other and not investigate properly. If well, that's true, maybe the same is true for a single witness. So the Gemara ends without resolving the question. We haven't resolved our question. Is a single witness believed to allow a woman to get remarried to the general population and get her free of the Chiv of Yibam? A Mishnah said that she is not neman. It is unclear whether or not we should make a diak a single witness is neman, and the Gemara does not resolve this question. Okay, so now we move back to move on to analyze uh, the statement from Lazarmos. Masin. and Masin was talking about a case where, um, where a woman uh, was told that her husband died, and she, she did cadution to somebody else. She didn't do and she only did Kedushin, so she didn't sin. Right? Even though she should have investigated more. But it, it didn't result in a sin because she only did an act of betrothal. She wasn't actually intimate with the new husband. So here, when the husband comes back to down, we don't penalize her because she didn't do a sin. She just said, Kiddushin, accepting a ring as a married woman is not a big deal. The problem is being intimate is the big deal. So therefore, she's not kanash. She goes back to her first husband. And the second husband doesn't have to give a get. We, we're a lenient. There's no penalty that a get has to be given. And even if a get was given, it doesn't disqualify her from marrying a coin in the future. Meaning she doesn't become a divorcee. Ah, he gave her the document of divorce. Yeah, but it's meaningless because she doesn't need the divorce. So, Matur, he made a drusha for this point. He says, it says in the Pasuk with Kohanim, i'sha grusha me isha A woman who was divorced from her husband. So, divorce from her husband means that if there was a divorce from someone who was her husband, she's disqualified. But if the divorce came, if, they get, if the bill of divorce came from someone who wasn't her husband, then it's just a meaningless piece of paper, and she's not disqualified for her coin. So the Kabar says, could have expounded something really, really nice. There was a diamond waiting to be expounded. Instead, he picked up the shard which is the irony. You know, sometimes you have a shard that's covering a diamond. Somebody gets the shard and they don't bother to look down at the ground afterwards to realize that there's a diamond there. So meaning, Rebbelazim and Matya, the Gemara is saying critically that he saw something in the Pasuk that this woman who received the divorce from someone who's not her husband is not disqualified. But there's actually a much deeper pearl of uh, of drosha to see. My mark and Isa, What's the pearl that he should have expounded to Tanya? It says in a woman who's divorced from her husband. What does that mean from her husband? Clearly the extra part, word in the verse here is from her husband. Obviously a woman is divorced from who else? Obviously it's from her husband. But, even if the terms of divorce were only from her husband, meaning the guy said a crazy thing. He said to her, I am divorcing you, but you're not allowed to marry anybody else. That's a fascinating thing. What does that even mean, right? So the divorce is, is limiting that she's only considered divorced, that she's no longer married to him, but it didn't free her. So you would say, what's the law? Clearly that's not a good get. A good get has to be a get that frees her, right? That's what the essence of the get is. So here she's not gonna be allowed to go get remarried, it's not really a good get, but nonetheless, psula Kahuna, by receiving such a get, she does become disqualified in the future for marrying a coin, just like a fully divorced woman. Why? The concept of the smell of a get. What is the smell of a get? The smell of a get means, even though it's not a full get, it's not binding because there's no such thing as a get when you're not free, but since Lamaisa a get came from her husband, that's enough that it disqualifies her from marrying a coin. Probably is a draw bundle, but the Gemara is saying is that you could kind of see it in this pasuk, right? What does the pasuk say? A woman divorced from her husband can't marry a coin. What does that mean from her husband? Even if the terms of divorce were only between her and her husband, but not that she should be free to the outside world. So it's obviously something weird about this divorce, but it's still binding and she cannot marry somebody else. I'm sorry, and she cannot marry a coin in the future. Okay, now we move on. We move on to the Mishnah. Again, we've been speaking about a woman who can remarry based upon the testimony of one witness. So the Mishnah says, Someone's wife went overseas. So the woman is overseas. They come and they tell the man, Your wife has died. So he married the sister. So how many witnesses told him? So as we said, it has to be here two witnesses, not one witness. Why? You wouldn't believe a witness in this case. There's no Iguna issue for the man to remarry his sister, marry somebody else, right? You could always, a man can always take more than one wife. So obviously the Mishnah means that he had like really solid testimony. That would, would seem to be. So, so we have an issue that two witnesses are establishing the woman's death. So he believed them. And so he went and he married her sister. Now that would be ushered to him obviously if his wife is alive you're only allowed to marry your wife's sister after she passes away during the lifetime of one's wife they cannot marry the sister so now what happens was the horror of Achim Ishto, then suddenly his wife shows back up so what does it turn out it turns out that he had been uh, illegally being with her sister while he was still married to his wife. So, what is the law? Mutaris So The woman is Mutter to return to him. Why is that? Because there was never a marriage to the sister. It's not going to become a wife's sister the other way. Once he's left with the sister, now his wife is asher right on him. It's not like that. Once you marry a woman, that's your wife. If there's unless, unless something happens, once that's your wife, even if you sleep with the sister, that's not marriage. What happened with the with the sister in law was simply znus, It was not marriage, and therefore, it's not going to answer... It's not going to aser. And the chidosh of the Mishnah, it hadn't been binding his marriage and maybe it would have required a get or something like that. Then it would also would have would asered have him on his original wife because it would have become like marrying the sister of someone you were divorced from. But that doesn't happen. It's completely meaningless. It's just random z'nus that he had with the sister and therefore it has no implication on his status to his regular wife. And by the way, we're going to see this in the Gemara a little bit more highlighted. This has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, specifically it was witnesses that he got tricked. If a man would willingly be Mazana and, 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 and do the isr, the isr of sleeping with his with the wife's sister, the law would still be he's mother to his wife. There's no law. It's not like ish ish, where a woman becomes usher to her husband if she commits adultery. There's no equivalent of such a law for sleeping with one's wife's sister. And the Gemara is going to explore that further. But that's what we see in our Mishnah. There's no such halach. Is mutter to marry in the future all relatives of the second woman of the sister? Why? Because again, there was no marriage. The halacha is when you marry a woman, you become also to her relatives. But here, he didn't marry her. it was just nos. And the second woman, the sister, is mutter to his relatives because since there was no marriage, there's no marriage. And if his wife in the future dies, mutter is mutter for him to marry the sister. What? You're right. The mission is kind of just bringing out all the ramifications of the fact that there's no marriage. Yeah. Mesher is coming to say, even on Nidra we don't say, oh, it looked like marriage. We don't say any of that. You could hear that maybe it should be, right? It's an interesting point. That maybe it kind of looked like a marriage, but we don't say that. We don't say that. We say, Lomai says his wife was alive. There was nothing binding about it in being with the sister, and therefore, there's no Easter of relatives or so on and so forth. If, the, if his first wife ends up dying, it's also much for him to, in the future to marry the sister-in-law. We don't say, hey, once he was with her illegally, he can never be with her again. There's no such law. In the future, after his wife would die, let's say, he would be allowed to be with the sister-in-law. Continues the Mishnah, Amr If they said to me, say, your wife's so he married the sister, and he had children. So, afterwards, they said, uh-oh, your wife was alive when you first married the sister. Umesa, but now she's dead. So, they're saying, when you initially married the sister-in-law, it was an error. But now, it's okay, because now the wife's died. So, what's the law in terms of the children? The first child, first means a child conceived. Um, before his wife died, so that kid is a mamzer because that would be coming from a wife's sister. The so Akraneno mamzer with a second child, someone conceived after the death, after the time the wife died, that child clearly would not be a mamzer. Comes along the Mishnah, and the Mishnah gives a cryptic statement from Rabbiosi. In order just to understand Rabbiosi, let me give just a really brief introduction. All of this that we've been discussing, we've been assuming that the sister in law was just uh, a regular single girl. But well, what if, let's make matters worse the sister-in-law's husband also went overseas so basically it was a you know some sort of trip between the wife called Reuven and Shimon let's make things uh, easier here Reuven and Shimon married sisters okay so what happened was Reuven's wife went overseas with Shimon so now who's left back here Reuven and Shimon's wife Reuven and his his sister-in-law so now before Reuven married his sister-in-law, he had to find out two things. First of all, he had to find out his wife passed away. But he also had to find out that Shimon passed away because either one, if either one is not true, he can't marry this girl. So he found out both were true. Then the horror story is both were untrue. Both were untrue. Now it's an interesting thing. So if you want to decide here if he gives mother back to his wife, if Reuven mother back to go back with his original wife, let's think about something. Shimon's wife is going to be also to her husband. Right? Because she... Did it wasn't was treated like an adulteress. That's what we've learned, right? You're investigating this and that. So she's gonna be asked on her husband. So interesting. Her sleeping with Ruvain offered her to her, her husband. If, if, the sleeping, if the sleeping with Ruvain offered her to her husband, is it fair that Ruvain's allowed to go back to his wife? It's not it's almost unfair. It, when this relationship between Ruvain and his sister-in-law ofsered her sister-in-law and her husband, and yet it has no implication on Ruvain? If the girl is single, so it had no implication on her either, then we can hear the point, right? It shouldn't affect her. It doesn't affect, if it's not affecting her, it doesn't have to affect him either. But if it is affecting her, she's a married woman and she's becoming also on her husband, then maybe we should say since it's affecting her, it should affect him as well. So the Tanakama didn't make such a hill. The Tanakama here, we didn't seem to care if the woman is married or not. Rabbi Yossi says, no, we do care. If it's going to disqualify other people, it's going to disqualify him. If the sister-in-law was married, and therefore by sleeping here with Reuven, she's going to become asar on her husband, then Reuven becomes also on his wife. It's only when the sister-in-law was, was single, so there's no implication, it's no, there's no penalty on her, that's where we say it doesn't disqualify him. And the Gemara now points this out. The Gemara makes this a little bit clearer. The Tanakhama didn't tell us that it mattered whether or not the sister-in-law was married. So the Muqbar is even if his wife and his brother-in-law go overseas. So meaning that the sister-in-law was married to a husband and he went overseas with the person's wife and that now we learn of both of them dying. So the one back here married married the sister and now we find out that both the wife and the brother-in-law were return. So the relationship that he underwent with his sister-in-law was effective in the sense that it asserted the sister to his brother-in-law. So even though it was effective to assert the sister-in-law to his brother-in-law, nonetheless, yes, it's true that his sister-in-law will be asserted to his brother-in-law, but his own wife is muttered to him. There are two important things, two independent things. But Lo We do not say, since his brother-in-law's wife becomes asserted to his brother-in-law, his wife should become asserted him. The Tanakama holds, we do not say that. The point is basically, why should we say that? If you think about it, there are two independent questions. Right? When he was with his sister-in-law, there were two issues. Was she was, is she an adulteress because she should have been more careful her husband was dead? And by him being not by him not being careful not to sleep with his with, with his sister-in-law does not make him also around his wife. Two independent questions. But in, in regards to her, she should have been more careful and she's also on her husband. In regards to him, there's no law that sleeping with one sister makes him also on his wife. So the Tanakama holds, it does not make a difference here if the sister-in-law was married or unmarried. Rabbi Yossi was saying it makes a difference. Rabbi Yossi was saying that if the sister-in-law was married and she's becoming Asra and her husband, then he also will become Asra and his wife through that relationship. And the Tanakama did not make such a split. All right, now we go back to the main essential dinner of the Mishnah. That, that when we find out the wife was alive, it's not Asra for him to go back to, uh, to his wife. So according to Rabbi Akiva, his wife will now be the sister of his divorcee. We're going to try to prove that Rabbi Akiva holds. If a person sleeps with his wife's sister, we say that he has to give a get. We'll have to see why. Why should there be a The marriage wasn't binding. But if we're going to try to prove that Rabbi Akiva holds that we require a get. And if we require a get, so then that means his wife, his original wife, will now be the sister of his divorcee. So, if it's true that Rabbi Akiva holds you have to give a get to a wife's sister when you sleep with her illegally, that should have a domino effect now that he's also on his wife because it will become his wife's uh, divorce, uh, the sister of his divorce. So it must be the mission not Rabbi Kiva. What is this Rabbi Kiva? What are we talking about? The Tanya it says in the Torah, normally all arise in the Torah. Let's say a, a, a brother married a sister. H.R. calls him get. He doesn't have to give her a get. Right? It's clearly not a marriage. There's no marriage. There's no marriage. You don't have to give a get. What are the exceptions? The one exception is our Mishnah, right, where the married woman remarried based upon the testimony of a witness, where we say if the husband came back, even though it was H.S. Ish, we do require a get because we penalize her because it kind of looked like it was a a binding marriage. That's the one exception. However, Rebekiva Mosif, Hafeishasach, Hafeishish, Rebekiva says two other arise do require. The wife of one's brother, if let's say a brother married a woman, and then... She slept with his brother, not in a Yibam scenario, in a, in a legal situation where he shouldn't. So the law is mit Alban, we do require get. What's another case? Achosisha. A man slept with his wife's sister. Achosisha, we require get these two arrivals are different. Again, we have to see what the reasons. The Gemara here is fascinating. Rashi almost clearly like, helps you out here. The Gemara is not analyzing why this is true, because it's hard to understand why this is true. The Gemara is just analyzing the fact. If the fact is true, that Rabbi Akiva says, Hsach and require a get, so then, the Rabbi, Akiva buddy gets, Rabbi Akiva is saying that if somebody married his wife's sister, she requires a get. So in our case, it's just going to follow by default here. That his wife will become us for him. So she's now the sister of his divorcee. So, even though really essentially there was never any binding marriage between the man and his sister in law, but once the rabbi said that he has to give a get to the sister in law, so that now is going to trigger that the original wife, Midra Banan, is the sister of his divorcee. A sister of a divorcee you cannot marry. The man took a wife, took a woman divorced, so he cannot marry the sister so in our case he should be author in his original wife it must be that the mission is not like Rabbi Akiva our mission holds no get is required between a man and his wife's sister says the Gemara But let's analyze why Rabbi Akiva said what he said what is the circumstance where Rabbi Akiva says somebody marrying the, the wife of one's brother has to give her a get the only case is where there was only Kedushin the brother only did Kedushin and then he went, he, he traveled overseas. So since he only did Kedushin, why does that matter? Then the person heard his brother died, But so then he went and married his brother's wife. And then his brother returned. Since the original brother was only married with Kedushin, that's why Rabbi Kiva said you need to get from the second husband. The Amri she. because people will say, You know why? You know what happened over here? It must be that the original husband had made a condition on the Kedushin that went unfulfilled. For example, he, may have, he must have said, I'm only being macadish you if your, father, if, if your father pays me a million dollars in the next 30 days. He made like some sort of st- stipulation and that went unfulfilled. And therefore, what happened is that no get was required and not only was no get required, get wouldn't even matter for forever, but, but the, it turns out retroactively there was never a marriage. If somebody said, I'm only marrying you on condition that your father gives me a million dollars in the next 30 days, if that doesn't happen and it goes unfulfilled, then there's no condition. So that means the brother is allowed to marry the woman. So people are going to say that's what happened. We're concerned if there was only Kedushin, if he went, one brother did Kedushin, and then suddenly his brother's marrying her, people are going to say, people aren't going to think it's Ereba. People are going to be done the close, and they're going to say, the original Kedushin must have just had an unfulfilled uh, uh, condition. And now what's happening? Dr. the second husband married her legally. And then, if he's going to end the marriage without giving her a get, people are going to say, you don't need a get to end the marriage. So people are going to make a bad mistake. I mean, they're going to be very nice and be done the how close that that's how the second brother married her. But after that, once they think the marriage is legal to the second brother, if they see that she doesn't leave with a get, they're going to say a married woman doesn't need to leave with a get. So therefore, Rabbi Akiva said, to prevent such a misconception, Rabbi Akiva says that the second husband has to give her a get. So that that, and the same thing with an Achosisha if there was only Kedushin that makes sense a person married a woman with Kedushin and then she went overseas and then he heard that she died overseas and he married the sister and now his wife comes back since it was kedushin, we can say that you have to give a, a get to the sister for the same reason. Army and she—what are people going to say? It must be the original wife. There was some sort of unfulfilled condition. And therefore, when he took the wife's sister, he took her legally. It was fine. It was binding. Ah, she's leaving without a get. Oh, it must be a wife's sister. Uh, it must be that a woman can leave. A married woman can leave without a get. So that's all. Only when he did kedushin elenisuin but if a person married his wife with nisuin he was intimate with her like in our mishnah it said ishto ishto implies that he was already intimate with her Mike, Mikal, remember and nisuin are there conditions at the time of nisuin in other words our assumption is that people don't make kedushins with don't make nisuin with stipulations people might make kedushins with with stipulations but not nisuin why is that because when you have a kedushin there's very little risk okay i'll marry the girl and I'll make the stipulation it's only as the father pays me the million dollars. If he doesn't, I was never married to her. Big deal. I don't lose anything, so I wasn't married. But if you do nisuin, you're being intimate with the girl. You're having relations with the girl. So there's a price to pay because it turns out that if you're not married to her, then retroactively, it's like there's, a, there's something repulsive about the relationship where you were intimate with a girl that you weren't married to. So people generally stay away from stipulations in nisuin. People make stipulations in kandushin. That's regular. But stipulations in nisuin is very irregular. So therefore, the whole swara of needing a get is because people are going to assume that there was an unfulfilled stipulation and that's how the brother was marrying the girl. That's how the man was marrying his wife's sister. Such things don't apply to Nisuin. So in our mission where you're talking about with Nisuin, there, Rabbi Kiva's is not going to say you need a get. The whole reason Rabbi Akiva said you need a get, Triachal Sisho is only where it was only kedushin. But if it was Nisuin, then Rav would agree you don't need a get. it, since you don't need a get. When the, when the original wife comes back, it's much different to go back to his, to, 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 to his original wife. So again... The Mishnah said in a case where one's wife went overseas, you heard she died, he married the sister, the wife comes back, you go back to his wife. The Gemara says, but well, wait a second, Rabbi Akiva's gonna need to get to the second to the second sister, so if he need to get, then how could he go back to his first wife? Isn't that his, the sister of his divorcee, answers the Gemara Rabbi Akiva's concern doesn't apply to a case where he was married to original wife. It only applied to a case where he did Kedushin. Whereas Kedushin, people are going to say, it was on condition. He really was legally married to the second girl. If he doesn't give her a get, how come a married woman's leaving without a get? That, can, that concern doesn't apply to a, a woman he was already intimate with. If it was already intimate with the original wife, that doesn't apply that he should have to give a get to the sister. If he doesn't have to give a get to the sister, that's why when the original wife comes back, he is muttered to go back to her says the Gemara now now we move on to a new point so what did we just do we made the mission of work with Rabbi Akiva as well Says the Gemara. Listen, Khamosa. You know what? There could have been another case discussed in the Mishnah. Our Mishnah discussed what was the case? It was a wife's sister, right? Because you can. Why? Why do we only discuss discussing a wife's sister and not another ever? Because there's no other ever that's mutter after death. A wife's sister is like a real anomaly. After the wife passes away, it's mutter to her sister. That's why the Mishnah was discussing case. You heard that the wife died. Now you want to marry the sister. But there's another case according to Rabbi Akiva. Mother-in-law, are you mutter to marry your mother-in-law after the passing of one's wife? What's the law? So Rabbi Akiva holds, the Gemara assumes that you are. Just like a wife's sister, it's muta to marry Lachar Misa, a mother-in-law is only author while one's wife is alive. After the passing of one's wife, they can marry their mother-in-law. If that's true, then Mishnah could have said other case. Somebody heard that his wife was overseas and, and that she died, then he proceeded to marry the mother-in-law, and then the wife came back. Why didn't the mission discuss that case? So, Bish, Lama, if you say the mission is not Rebbe Akiva, we could say, because the mother-in-law is also after death also. So the whole case is, will never happen. Even if you find out that the wife passed on, you wouldn't move on. To marry the mother-in-law. But if you're going like Rabbi Akiva, we're going to show that Rebbe Akiva holds marrying a mother-in-law's mutter after the death of the, of the wife. So the Mishnah could have spoken about a mother-in-law. The regular penalty for being with a mother-in-law is burning, Rabbi Akiva holds there's no sreifa. Presumably, it's mutter. Where do we get into this? Titania it says in a Brisa, when he's talking about somebody who sleeps with his mother-in-law, it says, who do you burn? They should burn him, and them. So it's actually a very strange word because it would be mashma that you burn the wife and the mother-in-law, which is obviously not true because the wife didn't do anything wrong. If a man slept with his mother-in-law, you burn him and you burn the mother-in-law. You don't burn the wife. But the language of the pasach is you burn him and them. It sounds like you're burning the wife as well. What's pshat? So don't worry about it. It just means one of them. And what the Gemara expounds is, uh, over there in, in, in Sanhedrin is that it means that a mother-in-law's mother is also also. It's interesting, it's different than a grandmother, for example, right? You're a with the it, doesn't go to the next generation. But here, by mother, mother-in-law's mother, mother's mother's, you burn him and them means a mother-in-law or her mother. That's Rabbi Yishma. Rabbi Yishma, you burn, you burn him and both of them? No, it means the wife. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean you're burning the wife. But there's something about the wife being present that's vital to the iser. What is, what is that? Abai says there's no dispute here. It's just how they're understanding the word in the Pasir. The Pasir is only talking about the mother in law Tatik, if Tatik is talking about the mother in law and her mother. So they're just arguing about how exactly, what exactly the word means. But there's no difference. Everybody agrees that you don't need the wife to be alive for the isr. Even after the wife passes away, it's still Usir to marry the mother in law. Then Shabir. According to Abai, it's good. According to Abai, there is no opinion out there that you're allowed to marry your mother in law after your wife passes. No such law. El But according to Rav, Rav says the machlokas is the mamash, our point. could I marry a mother-in-law after the wife's death? Whereas Rabbi Shmuel is saying you cannot. Rabbi Akiva says no. It's only when the wife is alive, when there's both of them, when there's a them, when there's a wife and a mother-in-law, then it's also to be with the mother-in-law. But if there's no wife, it's, then there's no burning to the mother-in-law. So if that's true, I'm listening to Nami Why don't the Mishnah discuss Chamoso? So what the Gemara is trying to do is attack that the Mishnah doesn't go like Rabbi Akiva from a different angle. Before we were going at the angle that you should need to get. If you need to get it, it should ask you on the original wife. Now we're going at a different angle. Like Rabbi Akiva, the Mishnah could have said a different illustration. We could have spoken about the illustration of a mother-in-law. For the fact that we didn't do that, it must mean the Mishnah is not going like the Tana of Akiva. Says the Gemara Amr Very interesting line in the Gemara. Nei Dimi Atar The exclusion here in the Pasuk is only from burning. Is it excluded from an isr? Meaning, a wife's sister, that's misa. You're allowed ideally to be with your sister-in-law after the passing of one's wife. But a mother-in-law is not like that. Mother-in-law, all the Torah said is that there's no sreifa. But it doesn't mean it's muter. What does that mean? If it's not muter, then why is there no Srefa? Like, what is that? It's like a half an Isr? How do we understand that? What, what, what's the Gemara saying? So Rashi, it's fascinating, Machlokas Rashi Taisus. Rashi understands that there's a pasuk in Parshas Kisavo, If you ever notice, there are eleven curses. The Torah says there are there two mountains and the high trees are evil, and they there were curses that were given. One of those curses, uh, uh, one of the curses are Aru Shochevim Chosanto. There's a lav of al um, hamosa. Um, um, there's a lav. There's a. There's a, an lav even. There's a curse given to someone who's with their mother-in-law. So Rashi learns that that's what the iser is. There's one place in the Torah in Paris Sachrimos and Kedoshim where it says there's an erva of a mother-in-law. The erva of a mother-in-law is only when the mo- when the wife's alive. The erva, when the wife's alive, burning. Khiyev so everything. When the, when the once the wife dies, there's no there's no there's no erva anymore. But there's a new thing, a, a curse for someone who's with his mother-in-law. And that has nothing to do with his wife being alive. That's why Rashi learns. Taisvis learns that no. The erva is there even after the death of his wife. For example, Tosos learns there's karas. It's only a miyat from the death death penalty of burning. According to Tosos, it's much more than just a curse that the person gets. He's chay of karas. According to Rashi, it's just a curse. Zahu. But anyways, bottom line is that the Gemara is saying it's not permitted. And if it's not permitted... That's why it wouldn't be in the Mishnah. So to summarize, we learned in Mishnah about a case where the wife went overseas. The person heard that she died. He married the sister. When the, when his wife comes back, he's not usher on her. He can go back to his wife. That was the point of the Mishnah. He doesn't require, a, he doesn't have to give a get to the wife's sister, and that's why he's mother to go back to his, to his wife. That's true even according to Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva only requires a, a get on if there was kudushin to the original wife, but not if there was nisuin. And the Mishnah did not discuss the case of chamoso, so even though we're going like Rabbi Akiva, because chamoso Allah, is not mutter, it's just excluded from the death penalty.